<laughs> we will take it. We will certainly take it. Let's talk episode 519. Let's go. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Penetrates, creates, and shows some dexterity as well with the left hand. All right, let's go, man. Let's go. Big win. Hey, let's go. We're getting right into it. Episode 519 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to episode 519 of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and we do MMA on occasion. Um, but let's get into it, man. No need to waste time. The Knicks beat the Heat last night at the Garden, 111-105, and I'm feeling good. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm feeling good, man. Uh, the Heat came into this game, obviously, without Jimmy Butler with the ankle sprain from Game 1. The Knicks came into this game, two guys questionable and, and their two best players, but game time decision, they both ended up playing the Knicks fully healthy. So I was I was kind of feeling that trap game energy. I was like, you know, you can't sleep on the heat after doing that. Uh, after, you know, seeing they're going to rest Butler. Um, and it kind of was a trap game. You know, it, it was a tough game for the Knicks all night. But they got it done. They absolutely got it done. Um Early on, the Knicks came out the gate. The ball was moving very well early. Uh, very good, sharp ball movement, and they were knocking down their open shots. Um, it was really R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle making the team look a lot better than they were because those two were carrying for a good while. Um, but the Knicks were knocking down threes. Uh, <laughs> Miami made this tough, though. Uh, they, they kept running... I mean, they were constantly running the Knicks through screens and getting all these open looks from distance. And although they missed some open ones, a lot of them fell. They made 17 three-pointers in this game. Um, And the entire game, man, this was a game where the entire time I was angry and uncomfortable and on the edge of my seat. Um, Actually, that's a lie. I was standing up for most of this game. I mean, the Knicks went up two points after the first quarter, but I felt like they were down 10. The Knicks went, I think they were down three at the half. I felt like they were down 20. Third quarter comes, uh, and you get Brunson firing out the gate. You're getting Randall hitting some open, you know, not some open shots, some tough shots. Um, he was on one. But then the Knicks were, you know, still down a point entering the fourth quarter because Gabe Vincent is a pain in the ass. Uh, he connects on a 20-footer at the end of the third quarter there. However, the Knicks managed to clutch up 
make big plays on both ends of the floor in the fourth quarter, get a little luck with some officiating, uh, and they bring their heart, hustle, and energy that they needed to wrap this thing up. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein with the remarkable New York hustle. Josh Hart, the same exact thing, my goodness. And my God, did he come through with some clutch baskets. Jalen Brunson with a number of clutch baskets. Julius Randle with the big free throws at the end, along with Josh Hart. Um, You know, Randle did step on the baseline there. God, was that bad. that he end up drilling a three after he steps on the baseline in the inbound? And um, ends up not mattering because in the end, the Knicks, again, deed up when they needed to. And they knocked down their shots, their free throws. And they they get this win behind the, a big-time second half where they were a plus nine. Um, and the final score, 111-105. The Knicks take the heat at the Garden. Fuck the heat. Fuck Pat Riley. Fuck Jimmy Butler and his ankle. Fuck his popcorn. Let's go Knicks. So let's talk about it. Um, yeah, first thing, let's get this out of the way. I'm not going to sit here and and bitch and moan about officials. That's probably what Heat's fan, Heat fans are doing. That's probably what NBA fans are doing. Because NBA fans, it seems like they hate the Knicks. Um, at least on social media from what I can tell. But I'm not going to sit here and whine like a little bitch. Because at the end of the day, I don't care. All I want is a win. And the Knicks won. So the Knicks win and the Heat did not win. So you can complain and cry and all you want. That's not going to change the results. Bitch, moan, do whatever you got to do. Doesn't change what happens when you go to NBA.com, click on score, and you see that the Knicks came out on top. It's not going to change that. The Knicks won. That shit happens all the time. Move on. Deal with it. Live with it. Stop crying. That's you know who this generation is though. So I, I understand you bitch moan and you can never get your way and you're never happy because of it. But hey, I don't care. Do better, win the game. The Knicks win. Um, now, I, I want to say some shit. Because after the game, again, I was on social media. I see it. Um, I, I will say this about the Knicks fans. The reactions from Knicks fans after this game... The media's reactions, I'm listening to podcasts and reading blogs and articles and, you know, listening to talk shows last night and this morning about the game. The Knicks won this game. Like, you would have thought they lost this game with the reactions from the Knicks fans, too. I understand they didn't play their best. And they didn't play great, period. You know, ugly ball. The numbers look better than they play. I understand all that. That part I get. And we'll talk about that. Trust me, we're, we're going to get into all that in a second. I'm just starting out with something. Because this, like, people need to understand, this is the NBA playoffs. This is the postseason. It's going to be like that. The process should not matter anymore. At least not over results. Ugly is, is kind of how the Knicks play. That's how they've gotten a ton of wins this season. By playing gritty, ugly, banged up, sometimes a bit sloppy, New York City basketball. They won the game. How do you think the Miami Heat feel after this? They played the better game. They were crisp all night. And they walk out of the building with a big fat L next to their name. They lost. They choked. 
They blew a nine-point game with a half a quarter left. I mean, with some of the reactions I've seen and heard and read about, some of you were more happy after losing game one. I mean, that's pathetic. And by the way, we, we shot well, if anyone cared. We shot the ball well because that's something we were all crying about. The Knicks were over 40% last night on threes. I was crying about it, and we got we got a good shooting night. It's like there's always going to be something to, to drag you people down. I don't know. I just think, like, this is how the playoffs work in any sport. It's never going to go the way you imagine, the way you want it to 100%. It's never going to be easy. It will be sloppy at times. It will be tough, rough. But you got to grind through it, and that's the Nick way. And also, let's give credit to the Miami Heat. I think part of the reason everyone is so down right now after this win, it's crazy even saying that here. And, hey, uh, but I think part of the reason for that, as I spit, is because Miami didn't have Jimmy Butler. But I don't care. You don't get to where the Heat are with just one player. The Heat are a great organization. This is a team who, not too long ago, made the NBA Finals. They were the number one seed last year. And I know this year they were the number eight seed, but don't forget, in their final 55 games of the season, they played just below 600 ball. Then they get to the play-in. They beat Chicago with some great games from Jimmy, yes, but Struess went off. Adebayo was a monster on the glass in that game. Then they faced Milwaukee, and they beat the Bucks in five games. The Bucks. Giannis or not, in those final couple games, they beat a team who just recently won the finals and are a very solid all-around team. Well-coached, great team. So you don't do all of that with just one guy. Yes, Tyler Hero's out, Oladipo's out, although he's pretty washed anyway, but I'm not sitting here and I'm not running with this narrative that it's Jimmy Butler and a bunch of bums, like a lot of Knicks fans think. No, I... Do I think the Knicks have more depth than the Heat? Yeah, I do. But that's not to say they don't have solid players. Gabe Vincent is a solid player. Bam Adebayo is a solid player. Max Struess is solid. Duncan Robinson is a solid-ass player. They've got solid vets who play their role, too. Like, I don't look at this Heat team with the disrespect I looked at Cleveland with. Those guys are soft. They're bums. Nobody cares about them. They were overrated and exposed. Those guys, who gives a shit? But this Heat team is solid. They play hard. They play physical ball. They have that same type of next man up mentality, just like the Knicks do. Just like the Knicks did when their top gun went down in game one. Shit. The Knicks lost, though. They stayed in the game, but they lost. Just like the Heat lost last night. And that's the bottom line in the playoffs. Al Davis with the Oakland Raiders. Just win, baby. Just win. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. I want Knicks fans to be happy. Be glad. Because the New York Knicks won a playoff game last night. Huge. Massive. Great win to tie the series. Be upset about game one. They lost game one. Be happy about yesterday. They won yesterday. Now, that said, yes, there were oh, there were some issues that the Knicks have to address um, on both sides of the ball, too. And we're going to start by talking about all of them. 
as soon as we get back from break. Stay with us. We'll be right there. Hey guys, so if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 519 of the podcast. Um, Yeah, the Knicks have some adjustments to make. And I think that... Uh, I think the Knicks are going to have to make some adjustments on the offensive side of the ball. Because the Miami Heat always, 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 going back a few years now, kill the Knicks with that 2-3 zone defense. In this game, it had the Knicks looking no different. Very sloppy, intensive, running half-court offense just on the fly out there. A lot of one-on-one, a ton of one-pass shoot sequences. And I think a lot of that's on Tibbs as much as it is anyone else too. Because we don't run, the Knicks don't run a very complex offense. It's not too intricate. And for a young team, I know you don't want to be too much on, too heavy on the X's and O's and all that. But this is the playoffs. The Heat have a defense. Um, and that, that's, that, that zone is tough. Because the Knicks don't run a ton of creative actions in the half court. Like, First off, a lot of their good offensive stretches this postseason have come in the full court after getting a big stop, right? A lot of that's transition and fast break. But when they cross the timeline and they slow things down, the Knicks, they run just, you know, a few very basic half-court sets. They, they're, they're very ISO-heavy, we know this. Isolate Randall on the wing, Brunson... A lot of driving kick, the high pick and roll, and also you'll see those DHO actions up top. If he doesn't have a guy coming off cutting up top, the big will find a cutter going to the rim. I actually thought in this game, with the zone, I'm sitting there and I'm like, why aren't we going to Hart and stuff? Like, for some reason... We went away from those Hartenstein short roll passes and the Hartenstein backdoor plays from the high and low post. Which worked so well for the Knicks at the end of the regular season and we saw a bit of it in the first round. Because the zone defense, the key to busting a zone defense is ball movement. It's three-point shooting in the corners. But it's also finding the middle. And I'm sitting here watching the Heat perplex the Knicks with that 2-3 scheme and wondering where the hell is Thibodeau? Well, what is he doing? Like We've got to get Hartenstein on that free throw line extended and get Miami rotating and moving their feet to keep them off balance. Utilize Hartenstein with his passing skills. They don't call him Black Jokic for nothing. <laughs> Even get RJ Barrett in those actions like we've seen before. Have him flash to the nail. Have him drive middle. I don't know. I just didn't like the way the Knicks ran offense for most of the night. And again, 111 points, good. The percentages were there. Very happy that they shot well. But 
they did allow 22 points off of turnovers. And in the middle two quarters, second and third, the Knicks only scored 20 and then 25 points. In today's NBA, that's not a lot of scoring. Um, and, and I may as well, while we're on the subject, bring this part up now. But the spacing in the offense continues to be a large problem for the Knicks, especially when Josh Hart shares the floor with R.J. Barrett. Um, you know, we're going to need Tibbs to adjust and put Quentin Grimes back into the starting two-guard role when the Knicks come out of the tunnel on Saturday. I think that has to be a must. Josh Hart has obviously been fantastic, and so has R.J. Barrett. They've both been very good, but those two together hinder a lot of offense from the other Knicks. That's why Brunson wasn't able to get to his spots for a lot of that first half when he went one for six because the paint was very packed. Brunson gets inside the arc, and as soon as he gets there, right up top above the lane, there's traffic right in front of him. A line of uh, just wall of like three heat defenders zoning, packing, sealing off the driving lanes. And it's because those two are on the floor. So the defender sags into the paint. If you get Grimes back into the starting lineup, I think it opens up the floor a lot more for the first unit in that paint. And it gives you the shooting that they will need. And shit, maybe it activates Grimes again. Who knows? I think the kid needs more minutes. I think he needs more touches. I think he needs to be a little more aggressive. Because he had a shot in the fourth quarter on the weak side. He could have took the ball. He could have took the uh, shot once he got the ball. But he passed to the elbow to, I think, somebody else. I don't know who. Randall, maybe. Um, but doing that, switching Hart and Grimes again to their roles, I think it would help the bench, too, because the bench has not been good. The Miami bench has outscored the Nick bench 52-27 to so far this round. With Grimes back into the starting unit, it improves the spacing. But also with Josh Hart back into that second unit, it improves the pace. And as I mentioned last episode, you always want to make the heat run. Get that dinosaur team out running. Those old guys don't want to be doing all that conditioning. They don't want to be running 94 feet. Of course, also, you know, to get that bench clicking again, you got to get guys like Quickly to step up and make this bench give it some punch again. Because he has been a shell of himself this entire postseason. He's hesitant. He's lost that bounce to him. He just he doesn't see this, and he might lose some money if he doesn't pick it up ASAP. He's not going to be making the money he thinks he is. I mean, this is a guy who was killing it in the regular season. He averaged 15 points a game this season. Towards the end of the year, he was dropping 20, 30-point games. It's a guy we expected to get 30 minutes a night in the postseason, at worst. And he's been so bad... That now Tom Thibodeau has lost trust in him. He got nine minutes, I think, last night. Nine. But I will say I also think that's probably not the best way to go. I think for Tibbs, I think for quickly to get back in rhythm, Tibbs has to keep running him out there. You can't expect to turn him around if he's playing less for you. You know what I mean? So I think Tibbs has to just... Let him fight through it, uh, you know. But quickly, he's got to be—he's got to be on point. Uh, and Obi, he—he's got to bounce back. I mean, shit, was he bad last night or what? 
even in in the loss, those two games so far, these two games, standing out there chucking a lot of threes. It's like you're a damn power forward, dude. You got to use your size. Shit, I said a few episodes back, I think the Knicks, you know, next year, this is, why not play that? Why not go get Melo? He can play that Udonis Hasm role for the Knicks. I think it I, it would help. It would help unlock a lot of um, Obi Toppin's game. One second here. Um, no, it would. Melo, Melo, I feel like could be a great mentor for Obi. Show him how because he's the same. Melo was a power forward. He was a big dude, athletic when he was younger. Like. Show him how to use his footwork. Play more physical. Operate in the mid post like Carmelo used to do so flawlessly. Show him when to spot up. Like I think Melo would be a perfect guy for Obi to try and mold his game after. I think the Knicks think about it, man. And yeah, you know, we'll go off track for a second. Fuck it. You know, you, the elephants in the room. You could skip ahead with timestamps. Timestamps in the description. Uh, if you want, but see, I, I was so happy to see Carmelo out there. Um, how awesome was it to see him out there last night, right alongside Amari, like old times. Um, that was, that was pretty amazing. The ovation he got a really cool emotional moment in the garden there. And if you, if you, if you don't think that Carmelo Anthony loved this city, you're out of your mind. You, you could tell right there. I, I loved seeing him come greet the players after the win. You, know, you saw that on social media. You, you, you could really, really see the respect that those guys have for Carmelo. Especially the way Quickly and Brunson were embracing him. Really cool stuff. I say bring him in, man. Bring him back next year in a very small role. Get him back in the orange and blue. Get him in that Nick uniform. And of course, the, you know there, there's this small portion of the Nick fan base. Probably the old men and maybe some fake tough younger fans trying to trying to be tough. Um, you know, who hate him <laughs> as if he came here and made this franchise that already sucked suck. <laughs> like, it just made, like, it's the, the franchise sucked. He came here when it sucked. I don't know. I, I, I you know, listening to WFAN, um, reading some comments on social media, it's like, you know, everyone's like, "What did he do here to get this to get this ovation?" He didn't win shit. They're also like, "Well, it's like, I don't think Ewing has a ring on his finger with the Knicks. I don't think Starks does. I don't think Bernard King does. I'm not comparing them. So before the old men lose their mind on me, I'm not comparing Melo to them. But what I am saying, this is a franchise that's 77 years old, since 1946, and they've won two titles in all those seasons." You know, unless they miraculously win this season, that's going to be 0.03% of their history with the championship. <laughs> so let's relax here and stop acting like Carmelo came here and took a championship franchise and tanked them. He actually got them into the playoffs again. He gave you 2013 before Phil Jackson started ripping the team apart and surrounding Carmelo with garbage time players who've been out of the league for a decade now 
Like, I'm just saying, there's there's a lot of nostalgia when it comes to Melo and me. I understand the criticism, didn't play great defense, wasn't the best leader, didn't have the the vocal leadership. Like, I, I get all that, took a lot of shots, chucked, had a lot of bricky games. I, I get it. I do. But I'm not about the hate. Melo's the reason I watched the Knicks. 2012, I began watching the Knicks because of Lynn's sanity. And ironically, as Melo was the one, it was the reason Lynn left... Mello was the reason I stuck around after <laughs> Man, he was yeah, he's my he was my childhood as a Knicks fan. He, uh, Ten years ago. I'd say childhood, but you know. I was 18, 17, 10 years ago. And um yeah, I loved Carmelo. And I still do. My favorite player of all time, my favorite Nick. My favorite Nick. Anyways, we're going back to the game here when we get back from break, I promise. Stay with us. Be right there. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify. But you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Now, speaking of adjustments and such, I think the Nick defense will need to make some adjustments too. They need to, they, they need, that defense needs significant work. 105 points allowed. That's not bad when you look at the number. But the Heat, as we saw, were getting a ton of open looks and just didn't cash in on a few of them. So they knocked down, I don't know, three, four, five more of those open looks. And that 105 turns to 117, 120. That's not a lot. That's not good. But I, I didn't love the defense, especially in the first half. But really, all night long, I just thought the Knicks' coverage wasn't working when it was obvious that it wasn't and they kept sticking with it. Whether it was, you know, it was just guys were hanging too far back in the drop. Cheating too far off ball in the corners to help in the dribble drive. I mean, there was was even a possession which drove me mad. This might have been in the second half where literally everybody was on ball side except for Julius's man on the weak side elbow. But Randall's just wandering into an empty paint. Nobody's there for no reason. So somebody on the Heat makes the pass across the court, and Randall's man is wide open for three. It was so maddening. The Knicks were also just closing out very slow. They were very slow fighting over those screens. You had Spolstra running those off-ball actions all night long for the Heat offense. But yeah, there's just, the urgency didn't seem to be there especially early on. So that didn't help. So you combine all that, the way the Knicks schemed, plus their lack of urgency, and it makes Caleb Martin 22 points, Gabe Vincent 21 points, Max Struess 17 points. It made them all look like Kobe out there. You know, Vincent and Martin were knocking down triples all night. Struess was getting into the driving lanes. He had a few triples. Robinson. Here's the thing. The Knicks... Their three-point coverage, their pick-and-roll coverage, 
That was my big concern heading into the playoffs. It was my, it was a concern of mine in the regular season for most of it. Yet people mentioning how the Knicks three point their opponent three point percentage was top notch. Yeah, but I was looking at the volume because they allow the opponent to shoot a ton of threes, ton of open looks. And I feel like because of that, the makes were up on the season too. They allow a lot of looks and eventually that's going to fall. The Heat beat the Bucks because of their three-point shot making. And Budenholzer, he runs a, a very similar defensive scheme. That's a similar coverage over there. It's that pack line man-to-man scheme where you sag to the paint, clog it up, Instead of the defender playing ball denial defense on their man who's one pass away, the Knicks will sag a bit to stop penetration and then rely on closing out hard enough if that pass is made. That's how the, that's how the Miami Heat shot well against the Bucks on the three-point line. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so I think it's very important for Game 3 that Thibodeau addresses this and shakes it up. And I know he's a coach that doesn't do that much. He likes his ways. He, he sticks to his coverages. Why do you think the Knicks rarely zone? Tibbs likes his game plan. And he trusts it to a fault at times. But I really think we need less drop coverage, man. You know, I'm not going to kill him for it. But I think it'd be a good idea. This Heat team, Spolstra, he knows this. I don't think it's a coincidence that Miami shot 42%. Against the Knicks from three in the regular season. So if the Knicks want to be able to stop Miami on Saturday. You've got to force the dribble drive. And make them beat the Knicks in one on one. Like we did later in the night. But we need it throughout. We need it a lot more often. Because who do the Heat really have that can create their own looks? Outside of Butler. Why are you playing so far off of Duncan Robinson? Max Struess? Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love. Those guys are all either white, slow, old, or all the above. They're not beating you off the dribble. Let them put pressure on the rim. We'll live with that. The Knicks have good one-on-one defenders to keep up with those guys. And they have Mitch and Hartenstein in the back end for insurance. But this 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 scheme we keep running out there, it, it seems to benefit Miami's lack of shot-creating personnel. I was listening to a podcast last night saying the same exact thing, and I jumped out of my seat, yes, pointed to the to the screen because I was waiting for somebody else to agree with me. Um, but yeah, I know the Heat's shooting numbers on the year aren't great. They were bottom, like they're like third to last in three point percentage, which is why I'm not advocating for Tibbs to get his head chopped off like Twitter is. But also, I, I think Tibbs should realize. Like, they do have good individual shooters, and they're also very hot right now from three-point land. They're second in the postseason. I think they're right below the Bucks by, like, a couple decimal points, 41 42% or some shit. So, yeah, it was a rough watch. It was a very rough watch defensively. They were just, they were setting the high screen, penetrating halfway into the paint. The Nick D collapses on them. Then the, the Heat kick out to the man who's one pass away. All night. All night, getting guys wide open like that. And then, boom. Shot goes up, shot probably falls. 
So it's about making adjustments on the fly, and I think this is Tom Thibodeau, uh, something he has to do. Um, I do want to credit Tom Thibodeau for making that lineup tweak late in the game, going with his defensive wings to close out the night. You saw Grimes over RJ in the fourth quarter. It was Grimes and Hart out there defending. And it paid off. So I do want to give him credit for that. I just think the three-point defense has to improve. The drop coverage has killed us at times this year. And it's killing us right now in these first two games. But we won. Um, I want to get to a positive in Jalen Brunson. Take a five-second break. We'll be right there. And we'll talk about Jalen Brunson. Stay with us. Be right there. All right. So let's talk about Jalen Brunson because he had himself a night and he's getting the bing bong game ball. Bing bong. 30 points for Brunson last night. 30 points, five boards, two steals, one turnover. 10 of 19 shooting, 6 of 10 from 3, 4 of 4 at the free throw stripe, and he was a plus 12 across 39 minutes. It was a tough first half from Brunson. He looked bad in the first half, bad on both ends. Maybe the ankle was bothering him, kind of took a hard fall. But the Heat were trying to make him test it for sure. They were running him wild out there through screens and those pick and roll actions. They were hunting him on those things. Getting them chasing uh, Struess, Robinson at the hips of every Heat guard out there. Just running around. The Heat had a game plan and, and they were attacking Brunson with it. And he shot the ball just one out of six at the first half. He didn't have his touch at the rim. The jumper was off. But something happened in the second half where he came alive. And <laughs> he went for 23 points. Uh, he was getting into the paint again and the shot was going in. The three point ball was back. He was constantly coming off those Hartenstein screens and getting buckets out of it in the clutch. I mean, the amount of big baskets that Jalen Brunson had in the later half of the fourth quarter last night was just tremendous. There were at least four of them. He ended up scoring 10 points in the period. Yet with six minutes and change left, the Knicks were down six points. Um, Brunson comes off I think he's, no, this this was, yeah, with, with six minutes left, Knicks are down six. Brunson's off the ball on the weak side corner. Uh, the ball eventually swings around to him, and he knocks down the triple. That was the same time Bam runs over Hartenstein, who was setting the screen, and it becomes an M1. The Knicks came within two points there. With 6.15 to play, I think that was the next time down for the Knicks, Brunson comes off Hartenstein screens um, and he ends up posting up Duncan Robinson and he fades away on him, ties the game. That one was such a beautiful shot too, that high arc to it. It was a great look, great shot. He's so good at creating space for a small guard like that. Four minutes left, the game's tied. Hartenstein again screens for Jalen Brunson on the opposite elbow this time. And Brunson pulls up to rattle in another three-pointer to take the lead. Big-time shot. I mean, the Garden went nuts there. Carmelo was loving it. Starks was into it. He was on his feet going wild. Uh, then you had the one with 
two minutes, 50 seconds left. Mitchell Robinson is in, and it's a 1-5 pick and roll between those two. Brunson gets into the lane, and he floats it up over Gabe Vincent, who was kind of stunting off Josh Hart. The shot ends up dropping, and the Knicks go up six. The dude just has the clutch gene. That's it. He's clutch. He's their closer. And he's the only one on the team I want with the ball in their hands, running offense, late in a playoff game. That's the guy I want, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is the man. Very happy with his performance. I really don't have much complaints. The first half was tough. Second half, he was near perfect. The only thing in the second half was his only turnover was it was a tough one. It was a very frustrating possession because the Knicks forced a big turnover just a second before that. They come on this the other end, and you have Brunson kind of trying to, trying to do too much on the sideline, loses the ball out of bounds. But other than that, his second half was was near perfect. Um. Who else? Oh, I mean, if we're going to talk about Villanova products, Josh Hart was unbelievable as well with the clutch baskets he was making. First of all, he goes for a very casual 14 points, 11 boards, 9 assists last night. (laughs) Um, But man, that fourth quarter, less than five minutes left. The Knicks are down three. Hart knocks down the corner triple to tie the game. Less than two minutes left. The Knicks are up a point. Randall draws two with Hart's man once again cheating middle. So it leaves Hart open from that same spot and he knocks it down to put the Knicks up four. And then the hustle play. This was my favorite play of the night probably. A minute remaining. The Knicks are up four. Josh Hart is in the same spot again this time, but he misses the three-pointer. <clears throat> um, But he chases it down, leaps up high to grab the rebound. And then it leads to that big-time Randall layup where he got sent to the line. That was when I lost it. I went nuts on this play. I was screaming. I almost lost my voice. It was cracking as I was screaming. You would have thought I was in the damn building. Um, Because it was such a big-time possession to come closer to securing the victory in that moment. So, and if we're talking about hustle, I got to go back to the bench now and give give... Isaiah Harton signed the second game ball. He gets the game ball from off the bench. Bing bang. This guy's hustle is unbelievable. The good thing about Tibbs's old school mentality is that he loves the bigs. He likes his big men. And the good thing about having two solid bigs is that if one of them is off, the other one's there to pick you up. And that's been the theme all year, most of the year, and it's been the theme all postseason. Mitchell Robinson has such a great round versus Cleveland. Hartenstein got less minutes the last few games. Now Mitch was off a bit in this one. Didn't love his defense. Thought he was a step slow. Dropped back too far. And who was it? Hartenstein who picked up the slack. The dude saved the Knicks in that fourth quarter. They were on the verge of going down 0-2, going back to Miami. And he's out there with huge hustle plays, diving on the floor, going after offensive boards. That sequence late in the fourth quarter was everything Hartenstein has been for this team. Five minutes left. The Knicks are down three. Brunson misses on the give and go. But Hartenstein grabs it. 
and he kicks it out. That same exact possession, it ends up going back to Josh Hart, who misses the fadeaway. Hartenstein, again, in traffic. He's able to tip it out, and it results in an eventual three-pointer to tie the game. Actually, I think that was the one that Josh Hart made the first time. Man, it's one thing to talk about it, but if you go back and watch the tape, if you haven't seen the game yet, you will know what I'm saying. I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever went from hating a player so much to loving a player so much in such a short span like I've done with Isaiah Hartenstein this season. I wanted the guy cut in the first month, month and a half, whatever it was. He was terrible. I wanted him gone. And then something just clicked. He adjusted, became accustomed to the system, learned the defensive coverages, adopted, and and Tibbs started featuring featuring him more in, in the offense. And he's been great. And he was setting some excellent screens. I, I know we said this, uh, you know, with, with Brunson, helping, helping, you know, freeing open looks for Brunson. Something Mitchell Robinson needs to learn from because I, I you know, I've had problems with his screening before, but in this game, I didn't like a few screens late in the game. Um, but Hartenstein was huge, so he's getting the the other game ball in this game. Now, other guys stepping up, of course. Uh, RJ. How about RJ, man? 24 points, 8 of 17 shooting, 5 of 9 from 3, 38 minutes played. The kid keeps playing good, solid, efficient basketball, man. And I told you last time, if he keeps this up, I have no problem with RJ Barrett sticking around, and that contract will be worth every dime. Because it's the playoffs for me, man. That's what really gives me my opinion. That's the only thing that matters to me. Once the playoffs begin, it's the only thing I care about anymore. It's the only thing I give two shits about at the end of the day. And postseason R.J. Barrett is here. Solid, aggressive attacks of the basket, but in this one he was knocking down the three-point shot. Five triples. And the defense has been there too this, this whole postseason. Outside the first two games, R.J.'s been great. Take those first two games away. He's been good in every other game. Five games in a row. He's been on fire. Knock on wood. How about Julius? 25 points, 12 boards, 8 assists. Another guy with a damn near triple-double. He shot the ball okay, too. 44% overall. 5 of 9 inside the arc. 3 of 9 outside. Um, Or 3 of 8, 3 of 9, whatever it was. But we needed it from him, man. We needed that effort. It was huge. He looked good. He comes back from the ankle injury, and right away, he had that dunk where he blew past Bam out of bio, threw it down, moved really well. Looked healthy to me. He looked like the Randall we saw in the regular season. And remember, he looked good in Game 5, too, before the injury. He was having a good game. So, yeah, we, we simply need Randall this series, man. Simply because of his gravity. He's drawing two every time, getting trapped. And that opens up guys like Brunson, Hart. You know, it's exactly how we got some of those clutch baskets from Josh Hart in the corner. Randall drew two, kicked it out, ball swung around the perimeter. Huge first half from Randall. That's what he does. He usually gets the Knicks going out the gate. Ten points in the first quarter. Second quarter, Miami's stealing momentum a little bit. Randall checks in. Knocks down a crucial three ball. Finishes with a, a big time drive at the hoop. He rebounded in this game. Made good passes. Good reads out of the double. 
Played really well. So, yeah, man, the Knicks win. And now we wait. Now we wait for Saturday. Saturday night. Or is it is it afternoon? I hope it's not the afternoon because I'm going to be working. I'm going to have to record that. But we wait for Saturday. The Knicks are going to MSG South. Can't wait. It's so nice to have home court advantage for all seven games of the series or however many it will go. We're going to be home in every game. Let's wrap it up when we get back. We'll finish it all off. Episode 519. Be right back. We'll wrap it up with our trivia. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 519 of the podcast. So, let's wrap this one up. I think we've talked about everything we need to talk about. Let's get to our trivia. All right. So, for this episode, episode 519 of BD4, our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day is, in last night's win, Jalen Brunson scored 30 points. Who was the last Nick to drop 30 in a playoff game at the Garden? In last night's win, Jalen Brunson scored 30 points. But who was the last Nick to drop 30 in a playoff game at MSG? I feel like it's an easy answer. Probably just made it easier by saying that too. But one final time, in last night's win, Jalen Brunson scored 30 points. Who was the last Nick to score 30 in a playoff game in MSG? That's it. I appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. Episode 519 is in the books. <laughs> and the Knicks win. The Knicks win. Got to sharpen up before game three. Got to sharpen up during game three and play good basketball. So let's hope the Knicks can do that. Fuck the heat. All right. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.